Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, July 30th, 2009. Only in the possibilities of transformation in the path of releasing and creating can one uncover an inner hidden treasure revealing a new facet of light, beauty, wonder, joy, and authentic possibilities revealing a most miraculous and loving divine expression. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or www.dulcineasdivinevision.com for archives, upcoming guests, service and events, and much more. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from the talented and revolutionary Michael Tamora. Life has been quite a different experience for Michael than for many of us. Spiritually aware from the time he was a small child, he sees us as the souls that we are. Furthermore, he has past life recollections, teaches people while sleeping at night, has been instrumental in the healing of many, and has physically died twice in this lifetime while fully conscious of himself as an immortal soul. Born and raised in Japan, yet educated in American schools, Michael has spent a lifetime bridging gaps, not only between East and West, but between men and women, young and old, heart and soul, mind and body, life and the afterlife, and above all, between humanity and divinity. Today, the award-winning author of You Are the Answer, Michael Tamora, continues to awaken souls. With compassion, humor, and wisdom, he illuminates our way home through his acclaimed seminars, teleseminars, articles, CDs, media appearances, and other special events. For him, every step along our path offers an opportunity for spiritual healing and the fulfillment of our purpose. Not only individuals, but also diverse organizations and businesses seek Michael out for his wisdom and spiritual guidance. He is currently involved in several film and TV projects, as well as dedicated to pioneering the frontiers of the healing arts, as well as of psychic education and the nourishing of the souls of children. Now, drawing from his over 35 years of teaching and healing experience, he will share with us his insights and visions about the extraordinary shift that is happening throughout the world, where we are headed as humanity in the years to come, and what some of our next steps might be to usher in a true golden age. And with many of us feeling stretched to our limits, trying to fulfill the increasing demands of daily living, perhaps Michael will share with us a couple of tools on how we can nourish and restore our own spirit while we serve our community. You can find Michael's schedule of seminars, teleseminars, and other events on his website, www.michaeltamora.com. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining me on Evolution Revolution Radio this evening. It's an honor to have you back with us once again. Thank you, Dalsanea. It's great to be here. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) You have a great audience out there. They're all tuning in, and and, um, hello to everyone. 
Yes, yes. They say hello back here. We have them on, on open on chat, so we might hear from some of them throughout the hour from through me. Great. Wonderful. So we're experiencing major transformation both globally and individually, meaning opportunities for change are upon us on Earth. How do you suggest we align with our authentic selves in this mix of possibilities? Well, I think you've hit on the key word, opportunity. I, I have a feeling, you know, there's so much talk about 2012 and, and that date uh, in 2012, but um, uh, I actually see an a open window of the next maybe six years or so. That's an incredible opportunity. It's already moving along quite rapidly. And it's very much like on an individual, personal level, it's, it's almost like um, uh, on one hand, the effect is when someone gets a real wake-up call, like uh, uh, being told by their doctor, gee, you have cancer and you have uh, uh, you know, three years to live or six years to live at the most, uh, or you have some kind of a condition that's going to, you know, you're going to go bye-bye in a little while. And when a person hears something like that, well, naturally, most of us would react in some kind of fear and some kind of shock and going, oh, my God, you know, what am I going to do? But sooner or later, we have to come face to face with, okay, this is really an opportunity and, and I have to really uh, face what, what are the priorities of my life? What, what am I here for? And this is happening on a global level where... Uh, on the news and and everything else in the in the mainstream there's so much talk about everything you name it <laughs> everything from asteroids are going to hit the earth or big tsunamis going to wipe out or everything or earthquakes or you know all this all this talk about uh global disasters and catastrophes and things and people naturally tend to put their attention on that going oh my god what are we going to do well now is the time we have to kind of step back for a moment and, and give ourselves a really deep breath and go, oh, okay, so so what? <laughs> so, so, okay, let's say any of those things could happen. You know, I could get run over by a Mack truck uh, today. And, and am I ready? That's really the key. It's not the doom and gloom. It's not uh, how things are going to happen at whether it's 2012 or, or, or two years from now or, or 30 years from now, it's, it's not what is going to happen, what's going to happen to us. No, it's time to recognize we have to make some new decisions. We have to learn to, to look at what are we really doing here. First, of course, personally, individually, why am I here? But when you ask that question to any great depth, you're going to have to answer, answer the question of why are we all here? None of us live really an independent life. And it's becoming inescapable that, that we are all in this together. It's no longer we're, we're sitting in some island by ourselves going, well, I have a pretty good life and, you know, it's nice and I have all the fish I can fish out of the ocean or whatever. No, we've, we've been living more and more a global life. And what, what someone does in another country has a 
quite a fa- uh, immediate effect on everyone else who lives everywhere else. This has always been the case, but it wasn't really in the in our faces before. Uh, with the advent of the internet and everything, uh, and and global satellite TV, almost instantly we start finding out what's going on in other places that's affecting all of us throughout the globe. Well, we have this golden age, this extraordinary shift that's happening now is because the consciousness of humanity is raising at an extraordinary rate. It's coming up every day. It's just going boom, boom, boom and boosting up to a, a great place where it sounds good when I talk about it that way. And it is a golden age that we are, are facing. We're all in a position to help usher in this time, not even this time, but a life that we can live miraculously. It's, it's a life that we can live in never-ending peace. And when we start to talk about something like that, in most of the world, most people have a really hard time with having that because we're looking at our immediate situation and, and immediate global situation. People would go, well, look at the environment as, you know, Mother Earth can't even support us anymore. Uh, scientists all over the world are telling us that, that uh, you know, it's a, just a matter of years before something, some major part of this Earth is going to give out and, and it's not going to be able to support humanity. Uh, or someone else says, well, you know, there's predictions of some kind of meteor hitting the Earth in whatever time period sometime fairly within our life, for example, and, and these things start to surface. Well, what that means is all the fears that we carry unconsciously within ourselves, and really all fears are unconscious. Uh, it's, it's stuff that we are afraid of that we, we push aside, we push down in our, in our minds, in our consciousness, because we don't want to deal with it. And so when we push it down far enough, well, it doesn't go away. It's, it's sitting there in the basement, so to speak. And as more and more people start to become proactive, so to speak, and go, you know, I'm not going to wait around for uh, a death notice to be sent to me. I'm not going to wait around for something to drop from the sky. I'm going to take active steps to start to find out what the purpose of life what I'm doing here, and what's my history here? Where have I been all of this time? And, and as people start to recognize more and more, well, life doesn't end at the time the body keels over. Uh, what's going to happen to me after this body dies? Where did I come from before this body was born through my mother? Very few people I still find ask that question on a daily level of, well, what do you do when you go to sleep at night? When you, when you put your body down to, on the bed and, and your body starts to snore away, well, do you just disappear? Does your consciousness completely go away? And, and, and then miraculously in the morning, it just snaps back on like somebody pushes the on button. Or does something happen? Do you, does your life continue? Does your con- consciousness continue after the body's resting away? 
and and dreamless or or dreaming or whatever doesn't matter but what happens to you well it's the same thing every night when we put our bodies down to go to sleep the same thing essentially happens to us who we really are that happens when we rest the body into the ground when when the body finally dies the same thing and so every night we get to practice this process of what people often are afraid of called physical death. And and we just know that most of us most likely are going to wake up in the morning <laughs> in the same body, but being able to reincarnate into a new body is essentially the same thing as waking up in the morning. It's just you wake up in a new body, a baby body, that you come into as a soul, as an immortal soul. So do we really start to live our purpose until we start asking ourselves, wait a minute, what happens if I am immortal? What happens if I really live forever? Even if this body dies, if I am here forever. If I knew that, if people hearing this knew that, that we live forever, would you be living the same kind of life? Would you be living how you're living your life now the same way if you knew you were immortal? This period, this opportunity that we have to start to consider this and start to actually live our immortality, live what I call the miracle of life every day. And we need practice. It's not necessarily an easy thing. It's it's mind-boggling. In fact, there's a there's an ancient uh, saying that when the mind surrenders, the voice of prophecy can be heard. People are talking about prophecy today, everywhere, and everything from Native American prophecies to Tibetan prophecies to all kinds of prophecies, prophecies of Nostradamus and and prophecies of the Egyptian pyramids and and the Mayan calendar and everything. Well, people are interested in prophecies, meaning what is going to happen to us. But when we look at prophecies, are we looking at it in terms of the fear and, and, and in terms of fear for our survival? Am I still going to be around? Or are we looking at prophecies as, wow, something new is going to happen and nobody really knows because the prophecies end. What does that mean? It means all prophecies are based on on actions of human beings and, and the decisions that we make, and collectively it creates a karmic uh, cycle and patterns, and, and they, they have an intricate weaving like a tapestry, and it starts to produce a certain kind of uh, orientation and certain kinds of events and experiences to come about. And we call that, oh, something was seen coming about, the patterns are coming, and then when we actually live it, uh, we say, oh, the prophecies came true. But what happens when prophecies end? When, when someone says, okay, I can predict things until this point, but after this, it's anybody's guess. And that is the most exciting news that humanity needs to be paying attention to. It's not the, the, what is going to happen on a certain date or in the next couple of years, but what is going to happen when all those prophecies end, when there's nothing being able to be prophesied 
because nobody can guess what's never happened before. Everything else in history has been a recycling of, of what's happened before. It's, it's like um, rearranging the furniture in your house. You still have the same house. You still have the same furniture, but you can make it look very different by rearranging it very nicely. And history has been this rearranging of furniture in our house over and over. But now we're coming to the end of time, end of history, where we're, we're finishing out, completing and fulfilling all the karmic cycles as, as, as a whole of humanity. And this is the most exciting thing that one could imagine because we no longer have to do... Uh, take care of old business, so to speak. We have to come into the present. We have to come to a, a place of so so completely new that the best clairvoyants and the best prophets and psychics cannot predict what is going to happen because it's not happened before. It's not in our uh, global consciousness, and it's not in our individual consciousness of what could happen, because it's new. What we're uh, preparing ourselves for, personally, individually, as well as collectively as all of humanity, is how do we usher in something that is fundamentally new? It's a surprise. And, And what I have been telling people is, do you like surprises? Some people love surprises. And, and, uh, when somebody comes along the corner and says, boo, here's a surprise, they go, whoa, isn't that fun? Isn't that interesting? Wow, I never, never would have thought about this. And they, they open up to it in delight like children do when they're surprised with some wonderful present that they never expected in 100 years. And, and all of a sudden, it's right in front of them, and they go, wow, in total wonder, uh, the child looks at this, I don't even know what it is, but it's, it's really, really neat. And, and if we can approach life that way, we're not going to have a problem with that. Uh, but there are many, many people who don't like surprises, even great surprises. And if you notice, even something people pray for and saying, oh, gee, I want to win this multi-million dollar lottery. And when they do, they nearly have a heart attack. It's such a shock. And, and it takes them a while before they can settle down and go, oh, oh I actually, I don't believe it. I, I, I actually won this thing. I, I've been praying for this, and it's actually happening. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. How many times do people you know, say, I don't believe something, even when the best of surprises happen? And that's because we're so set in our ways, in our minds, we, get, we become so narrow-minded and so limited in our vision that we want consistency. We want things to be the same as it was yesterday. And, and we get really rattled when, you know, I put this thing, my, I put my coffee cup right here on my desk, and now it's not there. And we get all upset about that. Gee, if we're going to get upset about placing a coffee cup someplace and it's not the same place where you put it uh, five minutes ago, how much more upset would a person get when the entire world is different when you wake up? We have to start to prepare for it in this manner. Sometimes I tell people, gee, have you, have you ever had the experience of going to bed in one place 
and then going to sleep, and then you wake up in the morning in a completely different place, in a total foreign environment, a place you've never been to before. Would you be happy? Would you be ecstatic and joyous and go, wow, a miracle happened? Or would you be freaked out? Well, many people would be freaked out. What is that level of getting all upset about it? Well, it's called terror. It's called fear. I don't have any control. What happened to me? Things happened to me. They become a victim. And these are all things that this is the time, this is the window of opportunity for us to look at this in ourselves individually and also in ourselves collectively. We're in it together. And so we can't just say anymore, uh, well, we can actually never say this, but there was a little more leeway before, but now we really have to look at the fact that we're in this together We can't say, oh, I'm above everything and I don't have these prejudices and I don't have anything against these people and I don't have, uh, I'm not going to throw bombs across the ocean to another country and so I'm above it all and I'm separate from it all. No, that's not true because as long as these things are happening in the world, we're part of it. Each and every, it, it takes each and every one of us to create everything that's going on across the globe and so none of us is immune none of us is separate from it this is the time what makes this new space that's starting to emerge uh, now such a new place and why i call it the golden age is because because on an energetic level it is golden it is the energy sometimes called of the christ what that really means is the culmination of life. It's, where it's, it's like being able to have the entire uh, rainbow, all the colors in the rainbow, and, and the uh, stereotype or the archetype of the rainbow, is it goes to this end of the rainbow as a golden pot or a pot of gold. And, and that's what, when you're able to have every color in the rainbow, you can have this golden energy. That's the culmination of the whole spectrum we call life. And, and what does that mean? that mean? That means all the opposites, all the places that's been separated into the far left and the far right, you know, into, into uh, a science on one side and, and spirituality on the other side, uh, into metaphysics on one side and traditional religion on the other side, into technology on one side and religion on the other side. Uh, these kinds of uh, separation, uh, males on one side and fem- females on the other side, um, spirit on one side and material on the other side. People have tried to take sides. In fact, isn't that what war is constantly about, taking sides? Whose side are you going to be on? When someone gets upset in a group and someone else makes a comment of it, what's the first thing that that person who's kind of being the victim of things uh, says? Well, whose side are you on? I thought you were my friend. Uh, you're my family, and then you're saying that? How can you say that uh, if you were on my side? And this is the time. What we've already entered, what we have to face, each and every one of us, is this is a time where it's not about sides. In fact, how can oneness have sides? When we get into survival, people tend to go, this is a life and death situation. 
I'm serious. This is a life and death situation I'm talking about. Well, right there, we must stop. Because when we say this is a life or death situation, we're making life and death opposites. You either choose death or you either choose life. And that's not true. It's not possible because life has no opposites. Life is whole and one. And anything that is whole and one, infinite, limitless, immortal, timeless, has no sides. Anything that has sides has a beginning and an end. So the opposite of death is not life. The opposite of death is birth. Birth, anything that's born, will eventually die. But life goes on. So what is born? It's our bodies that are born. We, as immortal souls, are not born. What dies? The bodies that were born from our mothers will eventually die. It will expire and go back to the earth, so to speak. And so so then it's not us as immortal souls that die. It's the bodies that die. Life goes on. There is no end to life. So we must start to experience life in its fullest, how life really is, which is its life is infinite. Life is eternal, timeless. So what this uh, consideration that the end of time, the calendar is ending, you know, whether it's the Egyptian pyramidal calendar or the Mayan calendar is ending at a certain time, it's the end of time as we know it. It's time could still be, you know, we might still have watches and whatnot to, so that we can decide to gather together at a certain uh, predetermined time. But in our experience, we're not going to be regulated. As souls, we know there is no such thing as the end of time. There is no such thing as the beginning and end of our lives. It's just one continuous beingness. And the beginnings of that awareness, this is just scratching the uh, tip of the iceberg of consciousness. The beginnings of this, more and more people all over the world are starting to tap into more and more about their previous lifetimes, previous incarnations in other bodies, other genders, other racial backgrounds and historical national nationality backgrounds. And and so we start to have more and more recall. This is the raising of the consciousness across the globe. In all different cultures, people are going, you know, everything from, you know, I think I've lived before, to to people who even, especially young children coming in, going, oh, yes, uh, my last five lifetimes were blah, 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 blah. This is what... What I did, where I lived, and how I, what I learned, and, and doesn't everybody know that? And more and more, especially these young children coming in without that being filtered out uh, in their birth process and, and having uh, been born to parents that are more uh, aware and, and supportive of, of this level of consciousness, it's going to become a more regular thing. And then there's many older people who are starting to tune into, you know, 
not only I've always felt that I've lived before, but now I'm starting to get glimpses of specific lifetimes. And what I did, and I, I know I've been here, and I can tell you about this thing, even though I never read about it in this life, I never studied it, but I can tell you about this culture from the ancient times because I was there. And so that's just the very beginning of opening up our awareness to our history of, of what kind of uh, uh, course of lifetimes have we been uh, experiencing incarnations. The bodies came and went, and, and each time we learn something in this huge school that we call life here on earth there's going to be more and more people who are becoming aware that life doesn't end, begin and end on this earth. There's life in other planets. There's life in the cosmos, in other galaxies, other constellations. And so some people, of course, have been very much interested in UFOs and and extraterrestrial beings visiting the earth. And that's been going on for millennia. It's been written up about it in many scriptures, uh, in many cultures. And always the medicine people and the shaman and, and the priests uh, of the real uh, uh, traditional uh, mystic tr- priests and whatnot have all been aware of visitations and, and communications with, with people from other places. And so... All this information, all this awareness is coming to the surface in so many ways. There's been people who have face-to-face experiences with masters of wisdom showing up in their living room. Not just uh, a clairvoyant experience of seeing on a uh, psychic level. No. Some of these masters who are true masters are able to materialize into a physical form very much like how Jesus said when he was uh, in that incarnation a couple thousand years ago after, he, after his resurrection. And he comes back and says, here, touch me. This is you know, skin and flesh like, like all of the rest of you. And, and uh, there are masters who are capable of doing that. And more and more, certain people are being visited. And, and all of a sudden, their mind is truly uh, expand it, and how that expansion happens is like in that saying, when you are able to surrender the mind, the voice of prophecy can be heard. Well, what is what are we walking into here? What are we pro- uh, preparing for uh, individually and collectively? This is what prophecy is about. But notice the instruction is until you surrender your mind, you can't have the voice of prophecy. And so what happens? For those of us who are clairvoyant, we surrender the mind so that the vision is seeable. We start to see not only the physical form that beings come in, but we see through that form and start to communicate with the actual soul, the immortal soul. Do you know how you look when you look past the the physical mirror at your reflection of your physical face, do you see the light that you are? When you say hello to each other, do you see that immortal, limitless light that one another is? Way back in the ancient times, 
the communication, the, the greeting in India, which they still use today of namaste, really meant something. Today, it's just like, hey, you know, <laughs> what's up? Namaste. It's going to use like that, except in very small circles, where it's truly an aware greeting of one being recognizing its own divinity, saying hello to another being in a physical incarnation and recognizing the divinity, the light of that being. When you start to see, open up, this is a time of tremendous psychic blossoming in each individual where everyone's starting to open up more and more in the what was traditionally called the psychic area of awareness where it's no longer just what can you touch physically and see physically with your physical eyes and smell and, and taste and, and hear, but when the, that aspect starts to open up and you're starting to see someone who died a year ago and they're in your room and, they're ta- and you start to hear them, uh-oh. <laughs> it's one thing when you watch it on a, on a show on TV and, and it's one thing for people to say, oh, well, that's a gifted medium or, or that's just a story you know, that's made up, a drama. But it's another whole thing when, when it happens to you. Well, more and more people are opening up. Some people have been meditating. Some people have been studying this and, and preparing for it. So when they start to open up, they know at least, ah, yes, this is happening. Whereas someone who's totally never been interested in this stuff, in fact, shunned it and laughed at it and said, oh, yeah, this is all hokey pokey stuff, and, and woo-woo stuff, and all of a sudden they, they were a very conservative business person or something, and, and their life was about money and, and business and you know legalities and all of this. And one day they wake up, and they're seeing colors around people. We call that the aura, of course. And, or they're, they're hearing voices. Or, worse yet, they see a being <laughs> of light, and they hear their voice. And there's a communication happening. And that communication hits them right between the eyes and hits home really deep. What's going to happen to them? They have to open up. This is the real death process. It's not about losing the physical body. Death is dying to, surrendering that fixed part of the mind that says this is the only way things can be. This is the way I want it to be. This is the way I demand it to be because I don't know if I can handle it any other way. And this is the only way I've ever known it, so this is the way it is. Well, what happens when that blows? It's gone. That's how we learn to die is can we instantly let go of that? When we find out that this was just a little illusion, a little pop, a little bubble that bump, busts, can we handle that? So the greatest practice at this point individually for each one of us is actually a process, a practice of learning how to die correctly. And learning how to die correctly is learning about relationships, how to relate to life, how to relate to one another. Some people have been hiding 
they've been in a cave, especially sometimes the more psychically sensitive souls. They have a hard time getting around crowds. They have a hard time getting around people with a lot of you know, raw energy. And, and when they bump into all this psychic energy, they, they run for the hills and they want to hide out in a cave, go in their closet. And, and maybe they do that to go meditate, learn how to meditate. That's okay. But sooner or later, when you meditate, you have to start to come back out. The process of enlightenment isn't complete until that soul that finally fully gets out of the body, goes to the light, if you will, experiences that nirvana. Guess what happens when you get there? You have to come back. (laughs) You have to come back into this thing called a body and share your enlightenment, share the light. That saying, you are the light of the world, means you are light. But what does it mean, you are the light of the world? You are the light that lives here, and that light has to be shared with everyone. You have to be able to let your light shine. That is sharing. And you share your wisdom, you share your insights, you share who you are, you share your creativity and awareness, and then those around you can start to recognize, oh, we are a community. Together, we're going to be ushering in this living the miracle, living the never-ending peace. Together, we have to do this. We're like a, we're like a, great big orchestra. Each one of us is a unique and necessary instrument. And, and with, without all of us together, we can't play the music. We can't play the symphony. So this is a time when we have to come together, join hands, and what's the first thing that comes up when we, all different of us, you know, from different cultures, from different professional backgrounds, from different interest groups, when we sit at the same table, our natural inclination is we want to uh, come to cluster together in the same kinds. You know, we, we create ghettos when we immigrate from other countries to into, into a foreign land. Uh, we look for our own kind. We look for our own race. We look for people from our own homeland. And we want to gather together because there's some kind of common thread. And And it's the funniest thing because... Before they left the whatever country they come from, they might have they could have been neighbors and not getting along. But once they're in a foreign place, they get scared of everybody else, and so they look out for each other and cluster together. Well, this time, it's not about that. This time is enough of clustering. You have to all sit at the same table and share the same food, and we have to start to exchange and share each other, educate one another as to oh, this is how. Uh, we do things and, and not in the sense of this is how we do things and we're going to take over what, how you do things and get rid of how you do things so we can do it our way. No, it's not about our way or your way. It's about our ways. And it's not by diluting everything to a place where, where nobody has any uniqueness or individuality. No, it's making space for all the different things. Science has its purpose and its importance in the world. Spirituality is the, the foundation. It's, it's not how you are spiritual. It's that you are 
spirit is underlying everything. It's the unification of all is that all are spirit. Everything is spirit. And and so then we have spirit in science and spirit in religion. We have spirit in metaphysics. We have spirit in art. We have spirit in technology. And this is the missing ingredient over the course of millennia where spirit has been kept separate. Sometimes religion has tried to own spirit as its own, saying, oh yes, spirituality falls into the category of religion. And so, so if you want to be spiritual, you have to be religious in, in a certain religion, and we'll let you have a little spirituality. No, spirituality is every day. Spirituality is when you're awake during the course of the day, when you go to work. Spirituality is when you're uh, relating with your family. Spirituality is when you go to sleep at night and finding out what happens when you're asleep on a bodily level. Where do you go as a soul? And spirituality is being able to have a scientific exploration, do research, and put it in the context of all beingness for science to be a tool, for medicine to be a tool, for art to be a tool of expression. And so everyone has their different areas of interest. We need all of them. We can't do without. And when one group says, oh, what we have is the only thing that's important and everybody else has to stop doing whatever they're doing, we're going to take it away from them, there's war because we can't really do without all of us. This golden energy of what we might call the Christ or the culmination of all the spectrum, every level of what we call life coming together, living harmoniously at peace with one another. This is what this new time is going to be about, this new life is about. But in order to do that, it's going to bring out all kinds of chaos, all kinds of, oh, what we haven't wanted to look at. So when this whole thing about terrorism and terrorists started to surface in the national, international media, where every day, you know, you, all you have to do is go to the airport, and every so many minutes, it, there's a terrorist uh, announcement of, you know, we're at condition orange or green or yellow or whatever. <laughs> and, and you can't get away from it. Well, a lot of people don't like that. But when this started, I knew this, to me, was a great uh, sign. It was the sign that humanity now, globally, is in on it together, where it's not about individual terrorists and, and which cult and which, which terrorist cell is going to do what to whom. No, this is much bigger than that. It's all of us having to look at what we are afraid of. It's all of us addressing this thing called terror, which is the last emotional uh, level that a human being really gets to along their evolutionary path of enlightenment. Individually, those great masters, those who have, who have uh, attained their great mastery, like Jesus or Buddha or uh, those kinds of beings, they had to go through terror. 
And people think when they just intellectually look at uh, I, spiritual ideas as oneness or healing uh, or enlightenment, oh, that sounds great. Immortality, oh, that sounds really great. But when you really look at it, how many people would decide, willingly decide, yes, I can have my immortality now? Because if you really look at it, what does it mean if you decide to have immortality or oneness or love, wholeness, true healing, any of these things? If you truly decide to commit to life, what's going to happen is every division that you have stored in your heart of hearts will start to surface into your awareness. And all suffering is nothing but the consequence of dividing against ourselves. All suffering is wanting something other than who we are, how we are, where we are. And so every time we go against what is, we start to create suffering in our lives, in ourselves. We experience it as what we call suffering. And so, so all these divisions that we have carried over a long time, over many, many incarnations, it's all coming to a head now in all of us, and together, collectively, it's coming out into the world as ecological problems, as environmental pollution, as wars, as racial discrimination, uh, gender discrimination, lifestyle discrimination, you know, political uh, conflicts, financial uh, collapse. All these are reflections of the accumulative uh, divisions and the suffering that we've created within ourselves and in, in, in each other in society because we've not been able to get along. And we're not going to be able to get along with one another until we're able to get along with ourselves. So this is the time when relationship is center stage. Being able to go through this major transformational process. It's really about relationships. How do we treat ourselves? How do we treat the immortality, the limitlessness, the eternity that we are? How do we choose? How do we treat one another? How do we approach this kind of energy? How do we approach that kind of energy? It's really about learning to relate. And relating in the context of oneness is an enormous task. It's simple, but it's not easy. Since all of us have been so acclimated to living in separation, living one against the other, living in the control of a dichotomous mind, where it's always either or. Are you going to be on my side or their side? And we have to stop that thinking. But it's like trying to stop uh, uh, one of those huge mega freight cruisers, uh, cruise ships, freight freighters on the ocean. You know, you give the command, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> it's easy for the captain to say, I'll stop. Well, how many miles does it take before that ship finally comes to a stop or able to turn? 
And so this momentum of, of millennia of living a certain way is really coming to a stop now. But it's not stopping on a dime. And it's, it's everyone at different places in, the, in their growth process is, is having difficulties of, okay, how do we do this? This is freaking me out. It's, it's, it's scary. Well, yes, because division is fear. We're not afraid of division. We're afraid of immortality. We're afraid of being whole. We're afraid of oneness. We're used to saying, no, 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 you did that, but not me. No, uh, I'm over here, you're over there. Here's the boundary. Here's the line. You stay on that side of the line, and I'm going to stay on this side of the line. Then we could maybe coexist. The scariest thing is to be at one. All of a sudden, who's going to be in control? I have to let go of this control. That's scary. So when it really boils down to it, how many of us are truly ready to let go of having to have things the way we wanted it to be? And as long as we're wanting something to be a certain way, we're not going to be open to having it any other way. And if we're not open to having it any other way, we can't have the miracle. We can't have something that's never been before. That's just way too scary. So everywhere you look on this planet right now, there's all kinds of fear brewing because each one of us has fear about something. And, and all of us together are starting to have to deal with in a real way, in an everyday kind of way, in a practical way, not just intellectual and not just sit back and philosophize about, yes, all is one and love is the answer and all of that. No, we have to live it. And when we have to live it, and there's all kinds of problems happening in the world, and there's all kinds of ha- problems that creep up every day in our lives, in our families, in our relationships, and neighbors, and, and economy, and our, our professions, and careers, and everything else, all of us, we all live that. We have our various problems that go on in the world. And as that happens, the key here is how do we respond to it? We have to look at how are we relating to the things that happen in our lives? How are we relating to our experience? Even emotional reactions. We all have emotional reactions many, 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 many times a day about everything. And so how do we relate to our emotional reactions? Some of us stuff it. Oh, I, I got this business. I'm an important person. I have this important business to take care of, so I can't deal with this you know, anger reaction. I can't deal with this guilt that I'm experiencing. I can't deal with this, with this grief that I'm going through, so I'm going to stuff it. Some of us override it. Okay, I, I'm going to really ratchet up and, and drink lots of coffee and eat lots of sugar and, and, and you know, alcohol or whatever to, to numb it out and... and deal with it that way. Some of us, well, maybe we go to a therapist. We have, have uh, uh, psychic readings. We, we go to a counselor. We take a 12-step program, whatever. And we're trying to deal with it. Some of us go through regression therapy. And some of us meditate. So, 
so there's a whole growing uh, cadre of people who are starting to deal with all these things that happen just right within us. And when we start to learn, oh, this is just energy, whether it's anger or grief or emotion uh, or terror, it's just energy. Pain is just energy. This person in front of me and everything they're doing, their actions, their words, speech, how they look, their bodies, it's all energy. So the psychic part of us that's opening up now, even more. So those who've already been pretty psychic, it's, it's taking it up 10 more steps. Those who never even thought about psychic stuff, they're starting to go, what is this thing? What's happening to me? Am I getting sick? Am I going crazy? That's some of the first thoughts that would come to a person who's never even dealt with this. And it starts to happen. And so at every level, whatever a person's afraid of, it's gonna, that's one of the first things that starts to surface that we have to be able to relate to. And the first step of that is being able to ground ourselves, connect to the earth and go, oh, I'm here. I'm committed. I'm here for the duration because I am an immortal soul. I am living forever. So there's nowhere else for me to go. Interesting thing in spiritual circles, many spiritual circles, there's talks of ascension. But so many people approach ascension as an escape of, I'm out of here. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm so enlightened. Uh, this is going to be my last lifetime. I'm not coming back, folks. You know, I'm out of here. Where do they think they're going? <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing. It's an observation that I've made for a long time. Ascending is really a no-brainer if you can fully be here. The, when I died physically, when, when my body flatlined, twice. Many people said, oh, that must have been very difficult. Oh, no, that was easy. That's a piece of cake to die to, because you're free. You're, you're out of this physical body. You don't have to go to the bathroom. You don't have to eat. You don't have to breathe. You don't have to make sure the heart is pumping blood and all of that stuff. You don't have to get, get up and get dressed in the morning. You don't have to take a shower and you still won't stink. <laughs> it's, it's a breeze to be dead physically speaking. But what's the challenge is coming back. I didn't have a problem dying, but coming back, it took me the second time, it took me a good solid two years, maybe two and a half years to fully get back here. That's me as, as a soul coming back. I was committed to being here, but I had to do a lot of work to be able to be in this physical incarnation, in this physical environment. I had to learn a lot of things to be here after I was out of here. So I know ascension is not the problem. It's whether we are able to relate correctly with ourselves, with the God of our own heart, with one another with our bodies, with the world around us. If we can truly relate with everyone and everything, we can be here. And if we can be here fully as who we are,
as immortal souls. Ascension is a no-brainer. You don't have to worry about it one iota. You'll be there. There's nowhere else to go. It's all here. Not here in the sense of in the physical world, but here where you as spirit are. So the simple lesson here to remember, the difficult part is practicing it. The lesson is itself is simple. Get along with everyone. <laughs> but putting it into practice, now that's where it gets really dicey. Can I get along with myself all day today? If I can accomplish that, I'll have it made. If I can get along with myself, if I can treat myself kindly, if I can truly love myself through every condition, everything that I experience, that I go through in a single day, I would have absolutely no problem relating with anyone else, getting along with anyone else. And that would be the same for you. So the flip side of that is when you find that you're having difficulty getting along with your neighbor, getting along with your parent, getting along with your child, getting along with your cat. Hey, my cat teaches me something every day. (laughs) So how do we get along with everyone? So each person you bump into and the ones you can't get along with are your best teachers. They're your master teachers. Your friends will teach you about loving and appreciating and being kind and considerate. But your enemies, those who you might consider to be your enemies, those who you consider to be obnoxious, people who, who's a real pain in your you-know-what, <laughs> those are the ones who are your greatest teachers because you can't just ignore them. They won't go away. (laughs) And what they show you, what they show each of us, the ones who we have the biggest trouble with, what it really shows us is not about them, it's about us. When I have a problem with someone, dealing with someone, I have to go into meditation. I have to reflect really deeply inside of myself to see, oh, what is the pain that I'm carrying that I can't love this person? What is the pain and the suffering that I'm subjecting myself to within me. Because where am I experiencing uh, someone being obnoxious? Where am I experiencing this person being a jerk or anything like that, or intolerable, unacceptable? I'm not experiencing it in them. I'm experiencing it in myself. They don't feel the same way I do, necessarily. So I have to look inside of myself where I'm experiencing all of this, and recognize, ah, it's, it's, this is where I am. And all the anger or hatred or resistance or, or you know, unpleasantness, the suffering that I'm going through is inside of me. 
So that this time, the true cleansing and then the true healing of the ecology and the environment and the world not only begins with us, but it is in us. I have to start to really find out what's the next part of my inner ecology that I have to clean up. Every time I have a difficult time handling a condition in the world or a person or a situation, I have to look at that in myself. What is it in me that's having such a hard time? What is it in me that is so unhappy? And when I solve that, when I am able to release that, when I'm able to forgive myself of that, all of a sudden, it all goes away, and I find that the person I was having a trouble with is a friend. I have no trouble with that person. And the condition in the world that I was having trouble with, I don't have that problem anymore. And then, if there is a situation in the world that has to be rectified, I will know what to do about it. That's never failed. We are speaking with Michael Tamora. I wanted to let you know you can find him on the web at www.michaeltamora.com. We also would like to let you know that you can connect with Michael coming up in a three-day inner divinity retreat. It will be Friday, August 14th through Sunday, August 16th. And you can find out more information under the events, but it will be Michael Tamora, Wayne Peterson, and Raphael Tamora, along with Eric Berglund, the internationally acclaimed harpist, artist, and healer. Please, please explore more information. Also, there are some great magazine features that Michael has presented, including um, a uh, an excerpt in the Awakening Soul column and also in Daniel and Catherine Brinkley's magazine entitled Shaping the Future of Humanity, Nourishing the Soul of Our Children Today. Also, you can align with Michael and Raphael coming up in September and October. There are several uh, one-day seminars in San Rafael, California on September 12th and 13th. And of course, there are, there's more detailed information under the events page at www.michaeltamora.com. So as we close the hour this evening, Michael, what is our next individual and collective step to awakening to the golden age? Well, one is laughing a lot. <laughs> and, and practice, because when we laugh, we let go. Yes? We can't hold on to our grudges when we're laughing. So when we find ourselves not able to laugh, we have to remind ourselves, okay, start laughing a little bit more. And then also recognize that everything's energy. And when you run into an energy that you have a little difficult time with within you that comes up, then just take that energy. Just know that it's just a clump of energy. You know what it feels like. You know what it starts to look like and and get the quality of that energy and go, okay, I'm just going to put this uh, energy into a rose. And just imagine that rose up there and go, okay, let's let all this energy go into that rose and I'm going to go poof and blow it up, let it go. I'm going to forgive this and move on. So this is shifting. It's not just 
having to figure things out. It's just stepping up to a new space and just deciding, instead of fighting the old, let's welcome in what's fundamentally new. I'm ready for something that I've not ever thought of. So let's let go of what I have to have and what it has to be and, and all that rigidity. Let's let that go. In a way, that's called forgiveness. It's called realizing that none of this stuff is important. If you let it go, you're going to replace it with something new, something you've never thought of. And let's find out what that is. This is a time of revelation and exploration, discovery of a fundamentally new way of being. Mm, I am so excited. Thank you so much. It's so exciting to hear (laughs) what you have um, in store for us. And, of course, I'd love to let everybody know to connect with you on your website, as I had mentioned, www.michaeltamora.com. Also, your amazing book, You Are the Answer, Discovering and Fulfilling Your Soul's Purpose. And I know that people can connect with Raphael on Facebook. Raphael tomorrow on Facebook. Also, you can connect with me on Facebook, and I'll be releasing our audio tonight at 8.30 uh, p.m., a link to the direct audio on Facebook as well, so you can connect with me, Dulcinea333. Only in the present moment can we learn to fully experience ourselves in all of our divine glory and beauty. Learning to delve into the true nature of our limitless spiritual being is a most exciting opportunity full of adventure, truth, wisdom, knowingness, and a most endearing lesson in unconditional love. Embrace the authentic you, the miraculous you, the wondrous you, and remember that you are a divine, wondrous expression of the infinite universe. So let that beam of light shine, and you will begin to ignite the hidden flame in others and experience a deeper radiance of your own inner flame. Next week on August 6th, Teddy Bart will be making an appearance, and coming up on August 13th, Dr. Denise Bedeau, On August 20th, Sharon Jeffers will be here with us. And on August 27th, Dr. David Bertelli. September 3rd, Pamela Brooks will be appearing. And on September 10th, Peggy McCall. September 17th, Jeff Brown will be here. And on September 24th, Robert Hill will be making an appearance. Coming up on October 15th, Noah Ben Shea. And on October 22nd, Paul Rademacher. On October 29th, Larry LaShawn. And on November 12th, Barbara Hanclough will be back. Coming up on January 1st, Richard Lawrence will be reappearing with a two-hour New Year's 2010 special. You can purchase all the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to the individual websites through the Evolution Revolution website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution for some exciting guests and uplifting inspiration, which can be further explored under the upcoming guests section on the home page. Also, you can explore all Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on the Evolution Revolution homepage, the archives tab for 2007, 2008, and 2009, And, of course, all episodes are available for free in the iTunes store by searching Dulcinea. The archives are available 24 hours a day and include amazing talent such as Richard Lawrence, Barbara Han Clow, Dr. Amit Goswami, Neil Donald Walsh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Dr. Stephen Farmer, Arielle Ford, Peggy McCall, Michael Tamora, Marcia Scarborough, 
Gary Zukoff, Charles Virtue, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution Radio with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I offer a vast array of services that can be found on the website under services and events including client testimonials and a wealth of information and opportunities to align. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Also, please be sure to explore the new audio feature called Voices of Change at the uh, www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com under the Voices of Change tab. It offers a unique expression of divine talent and wisdom that has the potential to expand, enlighten, and catalyze universal consciousness into the ever-present, abundant, infinite, and limitless realms. Be sure to explore the exciting audio features that are ready for listening to include Dennis Lewis, Lorraine Rowe, Starhawk, Dreaming Bear, Joylena Goodings, Marla Martinson, Suzanne Northrop, and more. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you're interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore more on my website. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Michael Tamora. Thank you, Michael. Thanks. It was great to be on your show again and and communicate with all your friends. (laughs) We truly appreciate it, and we look forward to staying in touch with you as your work continues to evolve and is so relevant for our um, human evolution and really launching into the golden age optimally. So thank you. Yes, and thank you for providing this wonderful show for so many people and and the great speakers that you have on your show. And uh, you're doing a great service. I truly appreciate that. Thank you. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish each of you an abundance of heavenly love, including peace, awareness, joy, and gratitude today and always. Abundant miracles. Good night.